G'day all and welcome back to Glory Days for another look back on Premiership Glory. In this episode, we go inside the Lockhart 2003 season where they broke a 21-year Premiership drought with the almost perfect finals performance across four games. A massive thanks to players and supporters who made this episode possible. Righto, let it rip, Robbie. Well, I remember the day um, girlfriend at the time, she like she's my wife now, she she was in the A-grade netball too. So I remember us obviously getting, we had to get to the game early because um, Lockhart actually had the canteen. The girls had to work on the canteen. The netballers who were even playing the grand final still had to do their shift on the canteen. So they had to get there because they were doing early shift because they had to play in the afternoon. Our under-17s were in the grand final as well that day. Sort of tried to get most of the the first graders down there to watch the 17s to try and support them too so one thing I remember I guess I remember a few people coming up to me like Osmond people you sort of know like shaking your hand and wishing you all the best and sort of saying this is like your big chance to win it just little things like that I think we got up by about nine or ten goals during the last quarter and it's sort of good to be out there knowing like you're still playing but knowing that you're going to win for me it was probably just relief it's been 21 years um, and living in the town and, and knowing all the people in the town and how long it had been, it's good, just, yeah, relief to be able to finally get a, get a, a win in the grand final. Where were you when the oh, siren went? Oh, I wasn't far from the bench. There was just, yeah, just a, whoever was near, you know what it's like. You just grab whoever's near you and, um, yeah, it just ended up being a big mall, I guess, everybody in there. Oh, I guess I was lucky. I had a good age age group coming through we in the under 14s we won three flags and then I, I didn't play in the third one because i had to go up to the 17s then we won two under 17s flags with sort of the same group of guys i know the star like julian nimo and sam wooden they all played in those flags too we all went we're all the same age we all went to school together all through our schooling primary school at the catholic school and then to around to the central school and uh, julian sam and myself were the all the starting on ballers in our under-17s flag and were the same starting on ballers in that 2003 flag 11 years later. So it was good. We knew each other's games, I suppose, and it was good to keep that sort of group group of guys together. That was the thoughts of Lockhart captain Josh Furman, born and bred local, who drove his teammates to the ultimate glory on the biggest day. However, it wasn't all smooth sailing, with the loss of the coach ahead of pre-season throwing things into a spin. But they found their man got down to work to break a 21-year premiership drought. I hope you enjoy Lockhart 2003, Spirit in the Club. The 2002 Hume Football League season had progressed with great hope for the Lockhart Demons, qualifying for its sixth straight final series. They were under the guidance of former North Albury star Phil Maunder, who had taken over from Shane Lennon in 2001. After beating old rivals Osborne by two points in the qualifying final, the Demons then lost the second semi-final to Howlong by 95 points. A preliminary final rematch against Osborne resulted in a seven-point loss, with Osborne kicking a late goal to seal the match. The Demons' last premiership was 1982, under the legendary Tim Robb. Since the 1982 flag and the end of the 2002 season, Lockhart had won just four finals matches from 15 appearances. The Demons' last grand final appearance was in 1999, when after being unbeaten all season, lost to old foes Osborne by one point. Maunder had given every indication he was keen to coach again in 2003, until a late change of mind sent the Lockhart Recruiting Committee into a pre-Christmas search for a coach. Well, as it turned out, they did not have to look too hard at all, as their man was in fact already at the club. Mick Glanville explains his elevation to senior coach. Um, my wife and her family are from out at Lockhart and I'd spent a few seasons playing out there in the late 90s when Shane Lennon was coaching. Yeah, so initially I was asked to come back and coach the seconds and help Phil Mindra out on the bench in the seniors. Um, and then Phil decided that he was going to head back to North Aubrey. And the club approached me in late November um, of 2002 to see if I'd be interested in taking over as senior coach. 
What was the initial sort of plans once you were given the role? Uh, because, it was, yeah, I suppose it was a bit unexpected, but um, how quickly sort of did you move into and, you know, go, all right, senior coach mode here. Um, what's the plan? And who did you really work with initially? Um, yeah, well, we just wanted to build on the good work that Shane and Phil had sort of put in place the previous years. They sort of laid some strong foundations at the club and, yeah, which resulted in lockout playing in the finals for the previous six years. Then one of the other things we did was approach Brett Hewitt to come back to the club as assistant coach. He was a um, popular, well-respected guy amongst the playing group and the supporters. So we got him back on board and then we sort of decided that we needed to get as many local players and sort of ex-players that had previously been at the club before to come back. We sort of, we did pretty good in that area. And once we sort of achieved that goal, then we sort of just, you know, implemented a pretty simple game plan that we wanted to to work on. And yeah, and just sort of focused on sort of playing for each other. And look, the boys will probably laugh at this one, but we decided that we wanted to play um, with a fair bit of spirit each week and we thought that would you know, give us a good chance to be competitive and that's sort of what the boys were able to do for most of the year, which was good. The recruiting committee of Ian Furman, John Fox and Charlie Purtzel got busy bringing back former players that included Sam King, Julian Nimmo, Wally Carter, Neil Gowlin and the Hewitt brothers, Brett and Mick. To top things off, Colin Gully defender Heath Bruckner was enticed to the Demons. The other great news for Lockhart was the awesome foursome, Matt Cavenden, Andrew Maisie, Matt Polman and Luke Sargent from the Navy would be staying on for another season after impressing all at Lockhart on and off the field in 2002. Matt Cavenden explained how they initially came to play at Lockhart. You know, distinctly in 2002 was when I, was when I went there and um, Ian Purtzel, uh, he was a sergeant at the RAF base there and he... He sort of got a few of us um, uh, over there in 2002, and likes of uh, Ken Robinson, who went on, he went to Collingully in, in 2003. But and yeah, uh, Easy had organised everything for us. So yeah, we had a we had the government, you know, the RAF base uh, cars to take us to training and get us to games and stuff. So yeah, it was uh, it was good. And yeah, once he got us there, uh, you know, it was a pretty easy decision to stay. Lockhart did suffer departures with Phil Maunder returning to North Albury, Ruckman, Ken Robertson, Brad Birkinshaw and Craig Manor moving on. They also lost 2002 captain Tony Stratton who broke his arm in the 2002 final series. Josh Furman was vice captain in 2001 and 2002, was promoted to captain and was a vital cog in supporting Glanville at the start of his coaching tenure. Furman reflected on the Glanville appointment and his rise to captain of the club. I knew Mick had been appointed as um, reserve grade coach earlier on, which I thought was really good because he'd been at Walla the year before, so it was good to get someone like Mick back to the club who'd played there previously. Obviously, Phil pulled out due to work commitments and stuff, so the club had to find another coach. And, um, yeah, they appointed Mick, which um, first I was surprised that they'd did get Mick because he had never had any senior coaching experience, but I knew how um, passionate he was about his footy and everything and knew he had a smart footy brain and that. Probably my biggest concern when I was first told was that having not coached before, I was sort of thinking what sort of players would he be able to attract never having coached at that level before, but the club obviously had a bit of a plan in place to try and recruit some more local players back that had played previously. At first, I was a bit surprised, but then when I sat down and thought about it, I thought it was a good appointment. It turned out a great appointment, no doubt. When and how were you appointed and notified, you know, you found out you'd be captain for 2003? It was probably towards the end of pre-season. Mick just phoned me one day at home and um, having previously been vice-captain for the Two years before, Tony Stratton was was the captain for those two years, but he wasn't. He, he'd broken his arm in the finals in '02, so he he didn't play in '03. Yeah, just Mick just rang and asked if I'd I'd like to be captain, which obviously I would love to be. I, I was captain in the under 17s, and having played all my footy there, like a big honour to be able to captain your your own footy club. So pretty chuffed when he rang me, but yeah, it was just at the end of pre-season sort of thing before the season started. So. The opening round would see Lockhart travel to Walbundry, the finals venue for the Hume Football League. 
It was pre-game that Vice-Captain Sam Wooden looked into the crystal ball. So uh, down at, down at Wallbundry, um, yeah, before the before the, the ball bounced, um, we'd, we'd been out, done our warm-up, um, tossed us a coin and we, we huddled to, um, yeah, crack on and I said, um, you know, we're now first game here and our last game here and uh, lucky enough to, to um, do that. Win they did by 80 points with Mick Hewitt and Mick Fraser both kicking five goals. On ballers, Julian Nimmo, Josh Furman and Sam Wooden were amongst the Demons' best. Lockhart continued its great start to the season with thumping wins in round two and three against Burren Buttick, 195 points, and Cole Cairn, 113 points, respectively. Mick Hewitt kicked eight goals in each game, and Simon Hyde kicked six in both games. Josh Furman and Matt Cavanan starred as Lockhart sat on top of the table. Round four was scheduled at Osborne, but was switched to Lockhart, with the drought conditions leaving Osborne with no irrigation on its ground. The Demons went in extremely undermanned, with 11 senior players unavailable or injured, including the Navy's awesome foursome, due to Anzac Day commitments. Osborne kicked an incredible 10 straight to lead at quarter time by 37 points and set up the eventual 88-point victory, with Heath Bruckner, Wally Carter, Josh Furman and Nick Matthews with three goals, Lockhart's best. In round five, Lockhart bounced back superbly, defeating Premiers from last season, Howlong, by 16 points, ending the Spiders' 14-game winning streak, which included the 95-point hammering of Lockhart in the qualifying final in 2002. The win was even more meritorious, with Sam Wooden, Mick and Brett Hewitt out injured. Sam King, with four goals, was outstanding in his move up forward. Josh Furman continued his great season with three goals and countless possessions. Lockhart had the bye in round six, ahead of a home game against old rivals Henty, who were equal on the ladder with the Demons in fourth and fifth place. Lockhart made a brilliant start, kicking the first seven goals to lead by 46 points late in the first quarter. However, in an astonishing comeback, Henty kicked 17 of the last 23 goals to record a 16-point win. Simon Hyde booted four early goals before being well held after that. Wally Carter and Sam Wooden were the best of a very disappointing fade-out. Coach Mick Glanville and then Josh Furman recall the game. Yeah, no, there certainly was some rivalry. And, yeah, look, it was a great effort from Henty to come back from 47 points down. Um, Late in the first quarter, there's probably not too many games of footy where that happens. Yeah, we we obviously started the game well. And I think they kicked their first goal just before quarter time. And then they sort of gained control of the game after that. We couldn't really get it back. Yeah, they were coached by um, Wayne Stiles at the time. And... And they had a pretty competitive season and I think they finished just out the five. But, yeah, from our perspective, it showed that we probably still had a, a fair bit of work to do. Um, and I think it also highlighted the evenness of the competition. I was at Lockhart. I remember the game that day. We, I remember before the game, it was, it was still pretty raw in a lot of the players um, that had played the previous year in 2 of the last round where we were well up. It was a three-quarter time break and... Phil Maunder was coach, and he 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 had actually been sent off for 15 minutes, and he he put the full team out, not himself, because he knew he was had yellow carded, but didn't realise it. So we had an extra player. Henty notified the umpires and had a head count. And we had all our points for that game removed. So um, yeah, we ended up losing that game. We nearly we had more scoring shots than them for the whole game in the last quarter, but still didn't didn't have enough to win the game, but sort of the carry-on that Henty had after the game as if they'd actually, well, they did win the the game officially. But um, So that was brought up before the game. So everyone was pretty fired up to, to beat them. Yeah. And we obviously got out to a big lead. Well, I think it was 46 points at one stage. Yeah, I don't know what happened during the end of the game. We just thought, I think we just thought we were going to cruise through and win it easy and they came back and got over us in the end. It really hurt, yeah. I think Henty might have finished sixth that year, so they were sort of a team that we had to sort of beat to to, to make the top five, and early on that was, yeah, pretty bad loss. 
Club football took a break for the interleague clash against the Farrah Football League at Mar Oval in Wagga. Josh Furman played and said it was doomed right from the start. I remember the initial squad that was picked and I think the first training one I went to, I reckon there was out of the 50-odd blokes picked, I reckon there was probably only half a dozen that were picked <laughs> in that squad that turned up the training, everybody. Back yeah. then, I think, just used it as a week off and that was sort of one of those years that all the Farrah players, like their better players, all sort of got together and said, Righto, we're all going to play this year. So they they nearly had all their guns in, and Hume was the opposite. The, the even the day of the game, I think there'd been like five or six players pull out the morning of the game, and Nobby O'Connell was the coach, and he was ringing around. He had to get his nephew. Like Matty Clark was a good player, but he was only young at that stage, and he he rocked up and played and hadn't been to training. And I remember Warren Carter. He walked in the rooms. He was hungover. He'd been out all night and. <laughs> Um, they asked him if he had his boots and he had his boots in his ute. So he had to go and pull his, pull his boots on and play. And, uh, it's just, I remember Merv Wagner after it was, was not happy at all. Cause we, we copped a bit of a hiding. That's when he sort of was starting to crack down. Players had to have medical certificates if they couldn't train and all this sort of stuff, because it, it wasn't a good look for our league. Round eight was a huge clash for many reasons against Waller with the grasshoppers unbeaten and the Glanville brothers going head-to-head in the coaching ranks. Dean was playing coach of Waller, where Mick Glanville had spent some time running water over the two previous years and doing the running. Waller made it eight wins in a row with a comprehensive 33-point win. The margin was over 60 points before half-time, and despite an honourable fight back led by Josh Furman, Luke Sargent, Brad Pearce and Matt Polman, the Demons never seriously threatened. Back at home against Holbrook, the Demons suffered its third defeat in a row and its fourth loss in its last five games in a tough and bruising encounter that went down to the wire with a late Holbrook gold sealing an eight-point win for the visitors. The loss meant for the first time Lockhart had dropped out of the top five with a four-win, four-loss record. Julian Nimmo, Josh Furman, Brad Pearce and Matt Cavanan were the Demons' best. Furman and Coach Glanville reflected on the form slump. Yeah, well, I think the round four loss was to Osborne. That was a heavy loss. I remember them kicking 10 goals straight in the first quarter, but it was the day before Anzac Day, so all our Navy guys didn't play. And we had, I think McHugh had, I think he kicked 20-odd goals for the first three games, and he got injured, and he was out for a while. And I think all those losses we had were against all the top sort of teams, but they weren't by much either. We didn't really, apart from the Osborne game, we got a bit of a beating. But like I think we played Holbrook there in one of those games and they got us by around 10 points. Um, we, we were missing like Mick Hewitt and Mick Fraser and they were our two goal-kicking forwards. Like They were our main targets. And Brad Pierce was out. So we did have a bit of cattle out. We got back on track again. I know they're only bottom teams, but um, I suppose we, we started getting the wins again. And blokes were starting to get back from injury then, which makes a big difference. Yeah, it was a tough five, six weeks. It was a real test for the playing group. We'd battled sort of a fair bit with injury and unavailability during that period. And I suppose we're also sort of adjusting to the the new game style. Yeah, I think during that period, we got beat by 90 points by Osborne in round four. And we sort of then bounced back the next week and beat the reigning premiers how long. So... You could say our form was a little inconsistent. But I think sort of the main thing we took from that, the playing group had a fairly close connection on and off the ground. And I think that enabled us to sort of absorb those losses a little bit without losing too much confidence. And then we sort of, after that, we started to get a few players back and we got on a bit of a roll, obviously, and that sort of led us into the finals. Um, Yeah, and we went in there with a bit of confidence. In round 10, Lockhart overcame some nervous moments in the third quarter to defeat Jindra at Jindra by 36 points and regain a place inside the top five ahead of Henty on percentage. Luke Travaskis with five goals, Julian Nimmo and Andrew Mays were the best. The next month of football, Lockhart played the four bottom teams, winning every game convincingly with the return of forward Mick Fraser in round 12, a huge boost. Another concern, though, was the relocation with employment of the awesome foursome. Matt Cavanan explains. You know, we were all uh, aircraft technicians, so you, you go to, uh, to Wagga to do your, 
effectively the TAFE portion of your apprenticeship. So that was about 18 months and, you know, everyone's sort of started at different times. And then uh, when that finishes up, we're all off to Nara. So, um, you know, different times during the year, we all made the move. I think Sarge was probably the first one to to make the move. But, um, yeah, we, we, and from there, we just continued to, to travel through, play footy, and, you know, that continued on. So did did Easy get you sorted with travel for that same arrangement? No, no. we uh, we yeah we just we just took it in turns in uh, in who was driving, who drew who drew the short straw for that week. Fortunate we we'd uh, knock off at around lunchtime on a Friday, so we uh, we'd sort of um, get going in the afternoon and get down there to Wagga you know, early evening on a, on a Friday night. Usually stay the night Saturday night and, and head back. Uh, you know, it's a bit of a long trip back on Sundays. Some days was a real battle. We, you know, we were all, you know, if we'd had a big night on the on the you know Saturday night and you know leave after lunch on a Sunday was the last thing you wanted to do. But um, a few side trips via Canberra or um, you know we we went to Canberra Casino a couple of times and, and things like that on the way. A few hairy drives because uh, the last bit sort of getting into now you have to go over a couple of mountains. You come off the freeway and drive an hour through the kangaroo valley and it's um it's a bit of a hair raising drive at the best of times let alone when you're you know you're pretty tired and, and things like that or, or the weather's not great so um we had, had a few interesting trips i remember uh towards the end of the season we we'll get you know things were getting a bit bit more serious and we'd get into now sort of late at night on the sunday night and we'd uh we'd go for a swim in the in the river do our recovery session and then uh and then you know before we headed home so that sort of became part of our routine which was uh I don't know if I'd be doing that these days, but, you know, that's what we did. Vice-Captain Andy Jones was a huge fan of the four lads and their commitment to the cause, along with the work done previously by coach Phil Maunder and the current work of Mick Glanville, as Jones explains. Mick is a great tactician and great motivator. And he's just, he was one of us boys, like he was the same age as what I am and and ready and, and that. So we're sort of... We're all sort of at that same age, and we sort of knew what we needed to get done. We knew we didn't have to have a star-studded side. We just had to have everything working at the right time, and and uh, that's what happened that year. It just all clicked at the right time. To, to Phil Maunder's um, credit, probably one of the greatest coaches I had, he probably got us in pretty good stead, but it was a it was a wrenching feeling knowing at the start of that season that Phil would Phil couldn't go on a coach, and we yeah. just sort of were stuck there and thought it's truth because we were, we really thought 2003 was our year. Yeah, but them boys like uh, they're just a terrific bunch of lads, and that's the reason why no question why we had the success we had because you drive from um, you drive from Lockhart to now, and that's a long drive, and these guys just done that week after week after week, and and um, and they, they were up at they they were an awesome bunch of lads, and. Um, with a few few local guys together and um, a few good recruits, we got out of Wagga, which become locals long term anyway. Yep. We were uh, sort of got it all together. For young blokes too, you don't realise. You look back now and you think, oh, they, they were good players and this and that. But you look back, there, I was, I think I was 25, 25, and they were they were like 20, like they were they were only kids still, like in, in the scheme of things. And they they all went on to have uh, pretty good footy careers after that too. Yeah. Round 11 against Brocklesby was dominated by Matt Cavendon and Andrew Mays, where Brocklesby, after scoring two goals in the first quarter, did not kick another goal as Lockhart won by 104 points. Mick Fraser celebrated his return with six goals against Walbundry, while Luke Travaskis also kicked six as Matt Cavendon, Wally Carter and Julian Nimmo dominated the 82-point win. Mick Fraser explains his long layoff. I played the first round... Bundry and then uh, had training on the Thursday and done the hammy um, and then I think I missed three to four weeks and came back, Osborne came back and played that game, re-injured it again and then uh, I didn't play until the start of the second round. And that was with the hamstring injury? Yeah, hurt it again when I came back. Yeah, got to sit up in the box with Mickey G for most of the first half of the season. So, What sort of chores did he have you doing? Oh, just helping him out, just anything I seen. Yeah, anything I saw, just give him a, you know, a advice here and there. Mate, when you did come back, did you, you had a pretty good run from there, did you, with injury-wise? Yeah, didn't get injured all the way through. Played every game from then on. End of the year, I had to get a knee clean out. That was about it, mate. Heard, heard it in the finals, but yeah, other than that, got through it. 
The trip to Burrumbuttock resulted in a 62-point win but was marred by three first-quarter injuries. Sam Wooden, ankle, Andy Jones, cork thigh and Nick Matthews, hamstring. That left Lockhart with no bench for the last three quarters. Once again, it was Matt Cavadon, six goals and Mick Fraser, five, that were excellent up forward. A potential danger game in round 14 against an informed Colcan did not eventuate with Lockhart setting up its 87-point win with a seven-goal first quarter. Luke Travaskis booted six goals, while Matt Cavanan, Julian Nimmo and Josh Furman kicked eight between them. Luke Travaskis spoke about his improvement and the forward setup he played in. I reckon it was mainly oh, my fitness. I, sort of, I suppose I had a bit of a go that year. Good bunch of blokes to be around and sort of made me want to, want to try hard and get, get stuck into it. And I'd sort of been... Probably a couple of years before that, I'd been playing seconds and that sort of stuff and sort of went reasonably well there. Got a few goals in the seconds and stuff. And I thought, bugger, it was time to have a go in the first grade. So. Mick Hewitt and Mick Fraser were out for some part of the season. So what was your role when they were away? But when they were back, it, it, it probably helped you out a bit more, I suppose. My role was just to try and get my one or two goals at least a, a week, I suppose. And um, just when they were there, just getting underneath and around them and try and get in their opponent's way, I suppose, and just sort of help, help them out as much as possible. So they were obviously the main target. If it wasn't working for them, well, I'd try and step up and be a target myself. So, And it was a pretty good forward line, right? When you got, like, Cavadon, Hewitt, uh, Fraser for a start. Gee, it's, it's yep. not bad. Yeah, no, well, Mick Hewitt's a buddy. Skillful bloke, probably one of the, as most people would say, one of the most talented blokes they've seen play. And Mick Fraser's a big big unit up the up the front there, and Cav was pretty, uh, pretty tall around the centre forward. Mark there, so um, yeah, no, it was pretty good forward on really. Sort of on, on our day, we could beat anyone. So Lockhart jumped into third spot with its sixth win in a row at home to Osborne in a hard-fought game. The Demons prevailed by 29 points with Mick Fraser booting six goals. The game also featured the return of favourite son Stewie Harper from Sydney. Harper, along with Heath Bruckner, Luke Sargent, and Sam Wooden, were amongst the Demons' best. Harper explains the move back and a tribute to a legend of the club, Charlie Purtzel, who tragically passed away in 2018. I was 20-21 at the time. Obviously came back to Lockhart from Sydney to a few 21st birthdays and stuff. Been over in Perth for a couple of years. I went to Sydney and another mate, uh, one of the McPherson boys, Pope McPherson, who was playing with his brothers at New South Wales University and I thought that was a a good move, but after coming home a few times, I think I was a little bit homesick after being away for a few, couple of years and just getting around my mates again at Lockhart and just the feel that everyone had that there could be something special brewing. So after a couple of conversations with Mickey Glanville and the last time I spoke to him, I said, seriously, if I, if I do come back, what, what are our chances? And be realistic with me and and Mick put it out to me and just put on the table what he thought, like what we had, who we had coming back and a couple of spots that he, he thought we need to get a bit stronger in. And if we if we got that, he, he said to me, we'll give it a good shake. You know, after speaking to my dad, which obviously Bluey is a big part of Locker Footy Club for years, Pavilion's named after him and stuff, I thought – why not come back, get around some friends and enjoy footy again and, and yeah, and then the rest is history. So, that, yeah, that, the club is very close to my heart and um, always will be. Yeah, Charlie was huge for myself and a lot of guys. Like, for me to come back, Charlie was part of the – I think he was secretary at the time or treasurer. So he sort of had to deal with, like, the players and, and you know, looking after him and stuff. So, obviously, he came to me and – and looked after me and, like, very easy. Like, Charlie's a straight-up guy. I've known him my whole life. Great man. It's very sad what happened, and I'm just glad that he was a part of it because that year was as much, you know, Charlie's been a part of that club for, I think he played 350 games that year for the club. Ian Pertzel as well, his brother, was so much a part of that first grade as well. Charlie's he was just awesome, really easy to deal with. And, yeah, I can't say enough about Charlie. And, um, yeah, he's just a fantastic guy. And, yeah, yeah, it was just great that he was there that day to enjoy it as much as we did. 
The double chance and third spot was again on the line when Lockhart made the trip to Howlong, who were equal on points with Lockhart, but seven percentage points behind. The first half produced just two goals to each side that had large parts of the Howlong Oval fully submerged in water. Howlong finished the better, kicking eight goals to one in the second half to run away with a 46-point win, its 10th victory in a row. Brett Hewitt, Sam King, Julian Nimmo and Luke Sargent were Lockhart's best as Howlong grabbed third place. After the bye, Lockhart travelled to Henty and came away with a commanding 52-point victory that also ended any hopes the Swampies had of playing finals. Julian Nimmo, Luke Sargent, Sam Wooden and skipper Josh Furman did as they pleased as Lockhart secured a final spot. It was also the last game Mark Hyde would play for the season after a frustrating run with injury, as Hyde explains. Um, injury was a knee injury. Uh, done it in round two. Just went up for a mark, landed awkwardly on it as you do, and end up um, dislocating my kneecap. Yeah, went and got checked out, and they said I could have a rest for a couple of weeks and then try and come back and play, which I did. Uh, so I missed, I think, two or three weeks. Done a bit of rehab on it, come back and played another two games and heard it again a little bit against Tolbrook first round at Lockhart. Had another spell for about four or five weeks, then come back and played four games in a row and then heard it. Completely stuffed it against um, Henty. I think it was what round yep. it was, but Henty in the second round, and which put me out for the rest. You went and seen the specialist again. They said, "No, nah, you've you've completely buggered it now. Need need surgery." And um, yeah, that was me done for the year. Then played eight games for the year and pretty interrupted stop start sort of thing. So yeah, well, at that time I was actually living in Melbourne with my old man, um, working down there. Moved down there. Well, halfway through the 2002 season, was contemplating not coming back in 03, but um, and stayed down there. Didn't do a pre-season with Lockhart at all. Stayed down there and trained by myself, and then made a decision about I don't know two or three weeks before the season started to, to come back. Come up here for a bit of a uh, few train runs before the season, and yeah, end up coming back for the rest of the year. So I was actually coaching the um, under 17s at, at the time with uh, Piercy. Travelled back and helped him coach them for the rest of the year as well. Lockhart's last two matches of the home and away were against the two top teams on the ladder, Waller and Holbrook. Whilst Lockhart could not grab the double chance, they went searching for psychological victories over the two front runners. This they achieved, with first up, a come-from-behind win over Waller at Lockhart, where a four-goal third quarter by Mick Fraser set up a 14-point win after Waller had led by three goals in the third quarter. Stewie Harper, Simon Hyde and Brett Hewitt all starred for the Demons. Round 20 at Holbrook was simple for the home team. Win and they finished minor premier. Well, when they led in the second term, it was on track. 80 minutes later and Lockhart walked off the Holbrook Sporting Complex with a 71-point victory after a stunning 10-goal third term. Mick Fraser five goals and four each to Matt Cavanan and Mick Hewitt were ominous signs as Lockhart could confidently look ahead to finals, as coach Mick Glanville explains. Yeah, well, that was our best win, obviously, outside the victories in the finals. And sort of by then, the team was quite settled and the boys had been playing really well um, in the lead up to that game. And I suppose it just showed that our best was definitely good enough to beat any of the sides in the competition on any given day, um, although the competition was very close. If we could produce our best, you know, we knew it would give us a chance. I also think the margin of the victory probably took Holbrook by surprise and also I think probably made a few of the other, you know, people and sides in the competition actually sort of finally stand up and take a bit of notice, I suspect. So with both Holbrook and Waller being defeated in the final round, and Howlong winning, it allowed Howlong, the defending premiers, to grab top spot and the minor premiership on percentage over Holbrook, with Waller in third, Lockhart finished fourth, and Osborne fifth. The Azai medal count was conducted on the Sunday after round 20 and was taken out by Holbrook ruckman Noel Coots with 32 votes. Runner-up was Lockhart captain Josh Furman on 24 votes, Furman also won Lockhart's best and fairest from Julian Nimmo with Matt Cavan in third. Matt Jones from Walbundry was the leading goal kicker with 81. Mick Fraser with 34 goals was Lockhart's highest after the home and away. 
The Demons seconds missed finals, finishing seventh on the ladder. Mick Glanville spoke about the captain, Josh Furman. Yeah, well, Josh was part of a group of local boys that had come through the clubs under 14s and 17s, and that group of local players played a massive role in our success that season. Yeah, Josh is a very loyal club person, and we appointed him captain in 2003. He had a big pre-season, and he led the way in that area. He was always doing extra running, and he was rock-hard fit for the start of the season. He was very consistent. He was in our best three or four players most weeks. He could read the play well. He had a good relationship with um, Sarge, our big ruckman at the stoppages. It was a lovely kick of the ball. He tells me that's why he rarely handballed, but <laughs> that's another story. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, no, he was just a proven performer. He won our best and fairest in the Des Kennedy medal for best on ground in the grand final, as well as coming runner-up in the league medal that year. So he put in a lot of hard work and he got the rewards. Lockhart went into the elimination final full of confidence, having won nine out of its last ten games. Its biggest hurdle was its opponent, Osborne, who had proved a genuine finals nemesis in recent times. The Demons were not at full strength, with Brad Pearce and Simon Hyde failing fitness tests. The anticipated tough contest certainly delivered in a slogging tussle at the Walbundry Sports Ground. Both sides kicked two goals each in the first, second and final quarters. It was the Demons' four goals to two third quarter that proved the difference. Luke Travaskis, one of the Demons' most improved players, stepped up. He booted five goals. Ruckman Luke Sargent was best on ground, while in defence Andy Jones was superb. Midfielders Josh Furman, Sam Wooden and Sam King were outstanding over the four quarters. The game was in the balance with just minutes remaining as Osborne launched attack after attack before, against the runner play, Stewie Harper landed a match-winning goal for the Demons to win a classic by 11 points, 10-7-67 to 8-8-56. The only negative was a calf injury to Sam Wooden. Josh Furman described the feeling post-game having beaten their old foes. Well, obviously, Osborne. Our neighbours out the road, arch rivals. They really would over us in finals previously. In 98, it was a qualifying final. James O'Connell kicked a goal on the siren to put them into the grand final. And we had to back up the next week against Henny and got knocked out in the prelim. And then obviously the famous 99 grand final where they beat us by a point. The 02 prelim, they Osborne beat us by about eight or nine points in that game. So... They did have the wood on us, and I remember it was a Sunday game, really wet. Probably didn't suit our team. We had a lot of quick players, and I still remember the last quarter. But we were three points up. It was down Osborne's end, and in the back of my mind, I was still thinking they're going to kick a goal here and get over us by three points, but we managed to, to get it down our end and get a goal, and Shui Arpa kicked a goal right at the end, which was which was really big for us, getting past Osborne. I remember Gary O'Connell, their president, coming into the rooms and wishing us all the best and everything like that. Lockhart's opponent in the first semi-final would be Waller, who lost to Holbrook by 19 points in the qualifying final. This would again pit the Glanville brothers against each other in the coach's box. The season ledger stood at a win each. Coach Mick Glanville recalls the game. Yeah, no, it was a bit of a funny one, coaching against Dean um, after previously helping him out a little bit out at Walla. Yeah, and we've got a, a good relationship. So, no, it was good. And he'd obviously played a few years out at Lockhart as well. So, you know, he knew a lot of the Lockhart boys and supporters. And, um, yeah, so it was a an interesting build-up going into it. The game itself was a, a good high-scoring contest and we sort of jumped out of the blocks and... Then they responded in the second quarter and I think they went in and they led by three or four goals at half time. Our sort of third quarters had been a strength of ours all year and we were able to kick sort of seven goals to one in the third quarter, which set up our victory at the end of the day. Um, yeah, so it was yeah very pleasing for us, obviously, and probably a little bit Disappointing for Dean being on the other end of it, but that's how it goes sometimes. I do remember, well, Big Mick Fraser, our full forward, kicked nine goals that day. 
and I had probably heard on the grapevine a little bit that the Waller boys probably didn't rate his ability as much as what we did. So we sort of mentioned that to Big Mick a few times um, in the lead up to the game, and he sort of duly delivered with um, a bag of nine, which was good. Sam Wooden and Simon Hyde failed fitness tests ahead of the first semi that was played with a strong breeze to the northern end. Lockhart, kicking with the breeze in the first quarter, should have led by more than 18 points after kicking five goals seven to Waller's three goals one. Waller dominated its turn with the breeze in the second term, adding seven goals two to the Demons 1-1 to lead at halftime by 19 points. Just like three weeks ago, though, Mick Fraser proved the Hopper's nemesis, kicking four goals in the third quarter as Lockhart added seven goals to one and regained an 18-point lead at three-quarter time. Lockhart carried the momentum into the final term, adding four of the first six goals to eventually run out 16-point winners. Mick Fraser finished with nine goals, all from set shots. Luke Sargent, Josh Furman, Mick Hewitt, Heath Bruckner and Neil Gallen were others to shine. Fraser reflects on the big day. Yeah, it was just one of those days, I think. I, you know, had really good service up the ground and, you know, clunked a few marks and kicked straight for a, for a change. And, um, yeah, that was about it, really. And tell us, but you didn't pull up that well from that game, I believe. No, I actually done the cartilage in my knee. So for the, the next, I think it was the major, against how long and then the grand final. So... Yeah, I had to get the knee clean out after the end of the season. But, yeah, got through. I only had two to go after it. So just on that, Mick, when you look at that, I know obviously there was a few of you lads went into that, the final series and the grand final. Sort of rolled the dice a bit, I suppose, didn't you? Yeah, into the grand final, I think we was probably three or four of us that were under clouds, really. Uh, Mickey Hewitt, uh, Sammy Wooden, he was under a cloud. Uh, Heidi as well. Simon Hyde. So, yeah, we threw the dice there. The momentous win was soured by a torn knee cartilage to popular vice-captain Andy Jones, as Jones explains. I was fine get through the Osborne game, the first final, and then uh, during that week I was getting some stock out of some sheep out of a cattle crate and pinched my cartilage. Well, I think I more than pinched. I tore pretty bad. I couldn't bend it past 90 degrees. That's as far as it would bend. So... I sort of had a feeling if I got it, my leg jammed up behind me, I could have been in trouble. So uh, I got to half time, and we were, by memory, we were down. And then I remember running out after half time, and it just seized completely up. But I just kept running on it. And um, yeah, over near the other side of the cricket pitch, I just got tackled, and my leg came up behind me, and uh, the cartilage let go, and it locked my knee at right uh, 90 degrees. So my knee could, wouldn't straighten. A massive big hunk of cartilage. And we went to the surgeon. After winning the game, obviously it was all good, but then I had to go and work out what was wrong with the knee. And they said, the doctor said, the surgeon said, look, because you're so young, he said, I think the right thing to do is repair the cartilage. And so that was mean I'd be in a brace for six weeks. If we had known what I know now, I probably would have got that cartilage ripped out because 12 months later that cartilage got ripped out anyway. It, it kept letting the, the repair let go. So having known what I know now, I probably just would have ripped the cartilage out and took some painkillers and probably played the in, the in the two weeks' time, but you sort of got to look at your longevity. And that, and that's what I was looking at at the time, but at, at this present moment, I've spent 19 years without that cartilage in there anyway. So, But how, how was preliminary final day for you? It was a, a great win over how long for the boys? And Yeah, look, I, I just had the operation done. So I think I had it done on that Friday before. I, I, I couldn't get down there because it's a pretty major operation. Like, they had to cut right down the back of your knee and... It wasn't just keyhole surgery or anything like that. Boys won that won that day, and then that night they come out and see me at home, out near Borey Creek where I live. Yeah, I'll never forget that moment. Yeah, that was pretty special. The boys had come out and say, we've got it done, and we're uh, playing in the big one next week. Yeah, it was, just, it was, it was nice. Yeah. And, and how was grand final day for you, mate? Obviously, you know, from a team perspective, it was... Like everyone says, you want the boys to do really well. You want success, but it's a shit feeling deep yeah. in deep. Yeah, and, and to probably still, it's obviously got better with years, but there's still a part here that thinks, you know, uh, that still hurts, yeah. In the previous day's qualifying final, Holbrook upset Howlong to advance to the 2003 grand final. 
The Brookers broke Howlong's 12-game winning streak to win by 50 points, meaning Howlong would now take on a rampant Lockhart, who had won 11 of its last 12 games in the preliminary final. Co-vice captain Sam Wooden returned from injury to replace the other vice captain, Andy Jones, with the Demons making a great start, kicking five goals to Howlong's three in the first term. A dominant second quarter was wasted in front of goals, with Lockhart kicking three goals seven to Howlong 1-1, but they still led by a commanding 30 points at halftime. Both sides traded goal for goal in the third term, with the Demons' defence led by Heath Bruckner, Andrew Maisie, Josh Shermer and Mark Chandler combining magnificently to keep the Spiders at bay and maintain a 29-point lead at three-quarter time. Lockhart got the early goal. They led by 35 points and then looked certain to extend it when Luke Travaskis missed an easy opportunity from five metres out. The next 12 minutes turned the match on its ear as the defending Premiers came back with a withering burst to kick six goals straight and move to within one point with still five minutes remaining. It took a 45-metre clutch goal from Demons' Mick Fraser with just minutes left to secure the game and a grand final spot next week. Mick Hewitt kicked four goals, Luke Travaska three, Neil Gowland and Fraser two each. They got the job done up forward. Mark Chandler voted best of field with Brilliant with his running dashes across half-back, while Luke Sargent continued his great final series feeding his dominant midfield of Stewie Harper, Josh Furman, Sam King and Julian Nimmo plenty of opportunities. Hewitt left the ground midway through the third term with an Achilles strain. So other than a few injury concerns leading into the grand final, Lockhart's form and conditioning for a grand final could not have been better, as explained by skipper Josh Furman. Prefer to be in the position we're in of having beaten them by that margin only four weeks ago, even though they got a week's rest, we definitely had the confidence. I, I remember a few boys saying, and this is nothing against Holbrook, our grand final was not grand final, but every like a few of the guys wanted to play how long in the preliminary final because they thought that was going to be our toughest game. It wasn't something I had thought about, but I remember a few boys saying, we can get over how long in the prelim, that's our biggest worry. You never know with football, anything can happen. And that game against... Holbrook, I think we were nearly close to our full strength too. And that, like, once everybody got back, we could see what we could do with a full team. That gave everybody a lot of confidence too. While Coach Glanville said the tough run home and week-to-week finals was a good thing, despite a few missing with injury. We did have our injury concerns, I think, like all teams do. Um, Yeah, but the boys were starting to play some, you know, pretty good footy with a bit of confidence and belief you know, in, the, in that final series. Luckily enough, Simon Hyde and Mick Hewitt shook off their injury concerns to take their place in the grand final team. Unfortunately, we had two local boys in Mark Hyde and Andy Jones miss the grand final due to injury, um, and Paul Knight was unlucky here to make way after playing in the prelim final. But, yeah, look, we'd been playing knockout finals for three weeks in a row, and even the sort of second half of the year, a lot of our games were sort of pretty important in terms of us finishing in the finals. And I think that actually helped us in terms of finding our consistency and sort of handling the um, those pressure situations in those finals games. I think the first couple of finals may even be Sundays and then you sort of go from a Sunday to a Saturday and, you, yeah, we were just spending a lot of time recovering. We weren't sort of doing too much on the training track. So, as I said before, I think it was a good thing for us in terms of our momentum and consistency and, um, you know, playing some finals footy every week. And as I touched on earlier, the sort of the connection amongst the playing group was very strong, um, both on the ground and off the field. They sort of, the boys would always, yeah, spend a lot of time with each other off the field as well even with their partners and, and families and, and supporters and things like that. It was a pretty um, – yeah, they had a pretty strong bond. And I think that at the end of the day was a massive um, – yeah, massive influence in them, able to, able to sort of win those four finals in a row. Team selection was a tough one, with a decision to roll the dice around injuries to Sam Wooden, Mick Hewitt. Simon Hyde was also included, despite not having played for four weeks. 
The unlucky player to miss out was Paul Knight. Grand final day was a huge one in the Wooden family, as Demons midfielder Sam explains. So we got Jake. He was in, in the under-17s um, down at Wildbundry. Beck was also playing senior netball uh, down at down at Wildbundry. Josh was over in um, Perth playing for Subiaco, uh, and then Matt was in um, Tokemore, uh playing for the Bloods over there. And then obviously myself having a run in um, in Wildbundry as well. So Lockhart was searching for its first premiership since 1982. The one-point loss to Osborne in 1999 after being unbeaten all season still burnt hard at the club. Six players from that day lined up in the 2003 grand final. Sam Wooden, Sam King, Simon Hyde, Josh Shermer and the Hewitt brothers, Mick and Brett. It was a big day for the town with the A-grade netball and under-17 football sides also in the grand final. The under-17s were to go down to Henty by 55 points. The A-grade netballers capped off a brilliant year by defeating Burham Buttick 63-42. And just for good measure, the Lockhart Club had the catering on grand final day. The netball side had a close connection with football captain Josh Furman. His identical twin sisters, Erina and Carly Furman, played alongside his girlfriend, Deb Gleeson, who eventually became his wife, while Sam King's sister Sarah and Sam Wooden's sister Rebecca were also on the netball side. It was a family affair. A huge crowd attended Walbundry in perfect spring weather. Holbrook started better, taking a 13-point lead into quarter time. An early goal to the Brookers in the second quarter stretched the margin to 19 points. Lockhart, despite the dominance of Holbrook forward Justin Way, who kicked six first-half goals, were able to kick four of the last six goals before half-time to trail by just four points. A fired-up coach, Mick Glanville, rallied the troops at half-time. It doesn't matter. As long as you give 100%, we'll win the game. It doesn't matter what position you're in. It doesn't matter whether you're against two of their blokes. If we all give 100% from here on in, we'll win the game of footy, okay? And that's what we've been speaking about all year, about true mateship. We're all true mates. We're all locals, okay? We've built that momentum. We've built that spirit. Well, we'll find out, we'll really, really, truly find out this half whether we are true mates and we're willing to run for each other. Because you'll get found out. If you're not one of the true mates in this group, you'll get found out out there in this half. You'll dead set get found out. And I don't think there's anyone in here who isn't a true mate. Come on, okay? So let's Let's... run, let's shepherd, let's do everything for each other. For each other, not for yourself. Don't run to receive the footy. Don't run to get an easy kick. Run over and barrel a bloke who's chasing with it. That's what this half will be all about. Blokes, mates, working for each other. They say the third quarter is the premiership quarter. And that is how it panned out, with Lockhart banging on four goals in the opening 11 minutes and a total of six for the quarter to lead Holbrook by 22 points at three-quarter time. Glanville called for one last effort as a raucous chorus of supporters smelt blood in the water. Just the spirit, everything was there, wasn't it? Come on, boys. We spoke about it in half time. And we did it, okay? We are positive with each other. We are positive. Give it everything. The two things we've spoken about. Pressure. We spoke about it all the Pressure, the chasing and the harassment. Absolutely brilliant. Come on, boys. 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 Come on, the 
The Demons played like men possessed as they broke the dam wall open with a brilliant Premiership winning quarter that posted seven goals, including one to Danny Grigg, who'd come onto the ground at three-quarter time. Michael Hewitt, six goals. Mick Fraser, three. Two each to Sam King and Neil Gallen formed a winning forward line. Simon Hyde starred when he came onto the ground after quarter time. Luke Sargent completed a brilliant final series in the ruck, while Luke Travaskis rubber-stamped a terrific season with a solid four-quarter showing. They saved their best for the last with a stunning second half of football to become the first team in Hume Football League history to win a grand final from the elimination final. The 42-point win was its seventh in a row and made it 13 from its last 14 matches. Inspirational captain Josh Furman was awarded the Des Kennedy Memorial Medal for best on ground and complete a dream come true for a local Lockhart lad. I knew a long way out that I was not never going to come back. I, you know, there's other blokes that got injured one or two weeks before the grand final missed out, which would have been way more heartbreaking. But for me, it wasn't too bad because I, I was my season was done and dusted and over. So it was all about getting around the team, mate, to be honest. And after, you wouldn't have found a more excited bloke than me after the sign-on. Man. I was just happy for all the boys in the field and the town and, and, and the community in general. But once they got the present of their medals, I was standing next to Andy Jones and uh, he was another one that missed with the injury and you know that's when it sort of did real like you know the realization did hit then that you know you're not going to get a medal with the rest of these boys but still mate over the moon for everyone it was it was unreal so so happy and to be honest it still feel like i I, I still feel part of the team and, and part of the success mick land was good enough to um give himself and andy and um, paul knight a medal because those two missed out you know they played in the prelim the week four missed out on the grand final and um, gave a goal, I, got, I got one as well so I definitely feel part of the team. I was ex- as excited as all the other blokes were. As the rest of the whole town was, mate, it was, it was an unreal feeling, to be honest. It was total elation, mate. The whole town, it was just the week leading up to it. Probably the whole final series, like you had you know, the businesses in town with posters and streamers and, and particularly grand final week. It was just everyone, that's all everyone was talking about. And then to actually win it, to see the, the club rooms after the game and on the Sunday and even the Monday and people just wanted to kind of have a beer with you and, and talk to you about it. And it was just, yeah, it wasn't just the footballs. It was whole town like the netballs won and as i said the 17s played in the in the grand final so it was a good day for the town and the whole town was buzzing mate it was it was, it was unbelievable we had won a lot of grand finals so we had this the town certainly celebrated i think it was 21 years before like the one before so yeah so they def, def, we definitely celebrated and, and everyone's pretty happy i tell you well it was a great day for the club that's for sure the a-grade netballers and the under 17 footballers also made the grand final that day and the A-grade netballers won the premiership. The build-up was very exciting, having three teams in on that particular day. Yeah, we got a lot of support from the whole town during the week. I think it had been roughly 20 years since the club had won their last senior premiership, so excitement levels were pretty high on the day. Uh, In terms of the game itself, the boys were fantastic, as they had been all year. Uh, They displayed a great deal of resilience during the season, and it was just great to see them get rewarded for that on the day. Probably from my perspective, the most satisfying thing was the smiles on the faces of all the supporters and long-standing committee members and family members after the game. That really stood out to me. And, yeah, I suppose in the uh, back at the club uh, ex-servicemen's club afterwards, it was sort of hard to explain the feeling that night. It was just unreal to see everyone so happy and enjoying themselves. We sort of spoke about spirit a lot during the year, but there was certainly um, plenty of spirits or spirit in the room that night and probably plenty of spirits being consumed as well. It was good fun, but look, I think the, the netballers and the footballers delivered the result on the day, but at the end of the day, I think the victory was just as much for the whole town and the supporters and volunteers, families and the committee members and everyone had put in all the hard work over a long period of time. So, yeah, it was just a great season to be involved. And Mick, what odds were you in October of uh, 2002 to be a premiership coach in middle of September 2003? Yeah, very long odds. I don't (laughs) mind having a bet. And 
uh, I couldn't find any odds on that. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think um, it all panned out well. And realistically, it comes down to the hard work of the the yeah. people at the club, the committee, and the, all of those people. And then the players are the guys and girls that are getting out there and getting it done. So, yeah, it's full credit to the, the club and the committee and the players. The journey of life and sport, eh, mate? You never know where it takes you, do you? No, that's exactly right. So, yeah, yeah we've got the reunion coming up this weekend and, yeah, it's yeah. going to be fantastic to catch up with all the guys and girls and supporters and family members and, yeah, talk about the glory days, as they say. The Lockhart 2003 Premiership side. From the back line, Josh Shermer, Heath Bruckner, Mark Chandler. Halfbacks, Andrew Mays, Matt Polman, Brett Hewitt. Centre line, Stewie Harper, Sam Wooden, Sam King. Half forwards, Neil Gowland, Matt Cavanan, Brad Pearce. Forward line, Michael Hewitt, Mick Fraser, Luke Travaskas. The Rucks, Luke Sargent, Julian Nimmo, Josh Furman. Interchange, Simon Hyde, Danny Grigg, Warren Carter. Coach, Mick Glanville. Emergency, Paul Knight. Injured, Andy Jones, Mark Hyde. The runner, Nick Matthews. There you go, 20 years on and the memories are still as strong. I hope you enjoyed reflecting back on one of the great days in the history of the Lockhart Football and Netball Club. A massive thanks to the past players and supporters for making it all possible. That's it for now. Stay safe and we look forward to you joining us again on Glory Days.